All right, everybody has their coffee. We're ready to go, right? Trey, Trey says, no, I don't, man. Where's... <laughs> he's, he's looking around. want to encourage you this morning, just give me a little bit of time, okay? Your undivided attention, and I'm believing that God is going to reveal to us some nuggets that potentially will change our life. You know, there's moments in our life that God reveals Himself by His presence in a way that changes everything. You know, I think most of us can probably remember that moment, remember that time. Maybe it was at youth camp. Maybe it was a, at an you know, unplanned altar call where you just decided to surrender your life to the Lord. And the presence of the Lord was, was as tangible as the coffee cup tray you are now holding in your hand. He's good now. That we really just feel the presence of the Lord. We know that He's working. We come to that undeniable point of realizing His existence in our life. There's so many moments that people try to say, well, where was God in this? Where was Jesus in this? How come he didn't do this? Well, there's also, if we look on the other side of that coin, there are undeniable moments throughout our lifetime where we see the marking of his presence in our life. Undeniable moments. And if we will remember those moments that his presence overwhelmed us and convinced us of who he was and who he is and who he will be, we will be ever convinced. And be true disciples of Christ. This morning we're going to look at that His presence changes us. We are changed by His presence. You know, this series, this is week two. If you didn't get the first week, you can go to our podcast. You can look online. We have all of those. But this is a series focusing on how to invite God's presence into your every moment. This is not just a Sunday morning 30-minute thing where we come and we experience His presence, we leave His presence here in the chair, and we go about our business. We are actually carriers of the presence of God. We can experience His presence throughout our lifetime, moment by moment, second by second, in every part of our lives. So this morning, you know, have you ever thought about how the environment around you causes you to change? The environment that's around you, okay? So when it's hot and it's humid, what do we do? We try to wear as little clothes as modestly, let me throw that in there, possible, in order to not sweat. But how many of you know Texas humidity is no joke? It's hot, it's humid. But when it's hot, we we tend to try to stay as cool as possible. Well, what about when it's cold? When Pastor Noe turns the AC down too much in the sanctuary and you're freezing, what do you do? You wear a parka to church. Or you get one of our courtesy blankets, as I like to call it. And we have those in the back. If you ever need it, it's freezing. Pastor Noe doesn't like to sweat. So it's going to be cold, but we will give you blankets. I guess if you need a heating blanket, I'll buy it if we need it. But what do we do when it's cold? We bundle up or we layer. We make sure that we, that, we stay cold, that we stay warm in those colds. So we realize that our environment is going to change our action. It's going to change what we're doing. So think about it. Uh, animals have adapted over the course of time, right? One of my favorite animals at the zoo are penguins. I don't know why. They're just fun to watch. Not all zoos have them, but penguins are really cool. But they have adapted to actually stay in environments negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit almost on an av- all the time thing. They are built for that. They have adapted to the environment around them. Also, let's think about camels. Camels can survive extreme heat going a week or more without consuming water. That is crazy. In that environment, you're like, well, I could go a long time without drinking water. Yeah, in the air condition. 
But they're in the heat. They are in those conditions of extreme heat and can go without water for a long period of time. They have adapted to the environment, uh, of their environment around them. So I remember as a kid when I grew up, how many of you remember the color-changing cars? I asked some of the real young adults this morning. They're like, we don't know what that was. I was like, man, you didn't even have a good childhood. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And one of said, I never played with cars. I said, you never jumped them off of ramps or ran them into each other? Or, I guess it's a boy thing. Threw them, break them, jumped them. I don't know. So these color-changing cars were really cool. They were awesome if you never got one. I actually looked them up. They're highway robbery expensive right now. It's like his greatest invention ever found, but really they're just old and probably outdated. And hopefully if somebody, some older kid like me wants to buy one, they're going to charge me 20 bucks for one car. So these color change cars, how they work, they change the color based on the environment or the temperature around them. Now, how many of you know in Texas, you never have a problem with heat? So the car always reflected the color in a hot environment. So what I would do as a child, I would stick them in the freezer for just a little bit because in Texas, I never got to see the cold color, just the hot color. So I'd put them in the freezer just for a moment, just long enough to change the environment to see the color change. So we realized that these color changing cars would reflect the environment that they were around. They would change color based on the environment. Many of us, our life is exactly the same way. You and I are affected by the environment around us. Amen? If you don't believe me, I hope to, to make you convinced this morning. So we've got to realize that um, many of us today can probably pinpoint an area in our life that, ha- that we've been affected by our environment. So the environment I'm talking about, you're like, Pastor, what are you talking about? Like hot weather, cold weather? That's not what I'm talking about. The environment that I'm talking about is maybe your home life, growing up with your siblings and, you know, or growing up in your home, all of these things, your friends, social exposure. Now, social exposure today is totally different than it used to be. The only kind of social exposure we had was probably TV. Was that it? But social media, you know, all of your your social media devices that are influencing, that are changing the way you think, ads that are coming up that are supposed to be like for your age group or whatever. You know, sometimes it's just weird. It's like, man, why is this coming up? And it's targeting you by your age and your demographic or maybe something you've searched previously. Like, So you have this influence of this social media environment that is kind of striving to conform the way you think. How many of you have ever had an ad or something come up and it convinced you of something you needed to have that you didn't even know existed? Honey, check this out. And then you buy it and it's China made and cheap and you get ripped off. Now I'll tell you what. <laughs> tell you something I bought one time. Hook, line, and sinker. Costa sunglasses. They didn't cost a lot, and they didn't look too good when I got them. They took forever. So first, I thought I got ripped off. I was like, man, they're never coming. And then I saw the shipping and the tracking change. Man, these things, because I got a real pair. And then I got three fake pairs for the price of still, it was under 100 bucks, so I didn't like get tuk-tuk. But I got three cheese ball China-made knockoff glasses. I mean, if you like the logo, that's about the only thing that looked authentic. The quality, the weight, the feel. Everything was off. But I was influenced by that one ad and said, oh, and I didn't check for credibility and all those things before I bought them. I was like, this has to be real because they had a website advertising, polarized, glass, the real deal. 
but yet it was fake. Sometimes we're, we, we take that and we take that as factual truth. It affects us. It affects our reality. It affects our environment. It affects what we believe to be true. You know, in the, the entertainment industry, all of these guys, they are marketing to tell you what you need, when you need it, and how many you need. Don't ever buy knockoff sunglasses. They won't prove to be the real thing. Or what about religion growing up? Maybe you did grow up in church life and it affected what you thought about church, what you didn't think about church. Maybe you did not grow up in the church. And that has a direct effect on where you are today or what you believe or whatever your perception is of religion. Right? But we know the environment around us can affect how we think, how we act, and actually who we are. Okay? So we've become a byproduct of the environment we live in and the things that we have been exposed to. The environment that we have been exposed to often creates the person we have become. So I have a question for you today. How do you become like Jesus? I'm going to pause just for a moment. How many of you were raised in the church? How many of you know the textbook answer? How do we become more like Jesus? I'm looking for feedback here. Read the Word. Pray. Worship. What else? Anything else? Well, Jesus, what did you say? I heard song. So, so, you know, in a nutshell, we know that the cookie-cutter response is, is summed up in three or four things. If you ask a kid, hey, what would you learn about today in kids' class? Jesus. Okay, great. What about Jesus? Ah. Right, you know, I ask my kids every week, and not to be mean to my wife. My wife's in here today. i got to act right. It's not normally the case. Thank you for being in here today. I don't know how you got free, but thank you for being here. Right. Oh, you know, but, you know, the, the, the textbook answer, right? You know, uh, I even will target some of you sometimes after a message. Hey, what did I just preach about? Oh, I don't know these color-changing cars. Man, I hope, it's more, I hope you get more out of it than that. <laughs> you, say, oh, you, 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 might already, you already might already got on your phone. Color-changing cars. I already got them in my box. I'm going to order them later. I hope you get way more out of that than remembering just the insignificant nugget. But you focus on the most significant thing that I'm talking about. So, you know, we know that... Um, you know, there's ways to be like Jesus. So praying, reading his word, coming to church, etc. I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask you one more question. Do you want to know the quickest way? Don't put the slide up yet. Do you want to know the quickest way to become like Jesus? Dun, dun, dun. If I could give you the answer, what is the quickest way for you to become like Jesus? Everybody ready? You got your pen? You got your pencil? This is it. You want to know? Ooh, man, if I... Intense music, building the suspense. You swig your last cup of coffee in anticipation. Here's the answer. Exposure to His presence. You get exposed to the presence of God, everything changes. The way you think, the way you act, what was once important is now of insignificance. This is the one thing that will change your life the quickest in being more like Jesus. If you remember one thing today, take a picture of this slide. You took a picture of the color-changing cars, delete it. This is what I want you to focus on. we got to realize that exposure to His presence, being around Him, spending time in His presence, we have to create an environment that is full of His presence because His presence changes us. It changes everything. So think about a sunburn. When you get a really bad sunburn, does anybody look at, does anybody look at you and say, hmm, I wonder what happened to you? 
No, we know what happened, right? Especially if you're fairly complected and you don't got the Hispanic blood that's just naturally radiating and you get bronze instead of red, right? You know, but we realize when we are exposed to the S-U-N, we have a sunburn that radiates exposure to the sun, right? It's red. But let me tell you, when we are exposed to the S-O-N, we should have exposure in our life that directly reflects being impacted by His presence. We know you got sunburned. We know you thought you were tanning, but you really didn't. But we can see the radiant presence of God when we are exposed to the S-O-N in our lives. We should be walking around with spiritual sunburns. What's wrong with this guy, man? He's been exposed to something. Now, don't equate exposure to the S-U-N is the equivalent of the exposure to the S-O-N. Say, look, I'm sunburned, Pastor. That ain't what I'm talking about either, okay? Being exposed to the presence of God will cause us to radiate and to reflect exposure to the presence of the Son of God. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 3.18 as our core scripture for the day. But we all, with open face, behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord. So when we look at this passage, there are three things from this passage that the presence of the Lord does in our life. There are three things. So we're going to look at being open-faced, which is really unveiled. It's exposure to His presence. We're going to look at a change. It says you are changed. And then we're going to look at that you are in the same image being changed from what? Glory to glory. So we're going to look at those three things. So we'll jump right into that first one. We will be exposed. Now, this is an open face. This is, sometimes this configuration, we don't like it. But the moment the presence of the Lord shows up, we are exposed for who we really are. So think about this example. What if you walked into the kitchen, you saw the cookie jar was completely raided. You saw crumbs everywhere. You actually saw the cookie jar on the ground. You knew that somebody had been there. Somebody had, got, had their hand in the cookie jar that probably should not have. You yell out to your children in the house because they're the only ones capable of this awesome situation. Wives, if that's your husband, you better get them in check. Cookies all over the place, jar on the floor. No, but, you know, you know, we know that if there's children in the home, somebody found it. So you shout out, kids, children, where are you? No response. But they're hiding. You walk around the house, and you find your children hiding behind the window curtain. You've ever seen those, you know, the curtain treatments, the pretty things, you know? And most of the time, you're hidden from top to bottom, but your feet hang out. Or maybe you got these ones that are more lacy, kind of transparent, see-through, and you're hiding behind and you're just sitting there, closing your eyes. Hopefully, they won't be seen. And then the veil is removed. They are open-faced before you, and you say, did you get into the cookie jar? Well, first they were hiding, then they were exposed. They have a cookie in one hand, and they respond to you, it wasn't me. Now, you know, even if you're not the sharpest detective in the room, that the evidence points that they were caught guilty doing something maybe they should not have been doing. And they lied about it. But there are often times in the presence of the Lord that, you know, one of the, one of the things that we do, we naturally hide. It's dumb because they were going to be found out. They had left the cookie crumbs. They had left the truck. They still had the cookie. They should have at least put the cookie in their mouth and tried to swallow it before mom and dad showed up. 
That's what I would have done. Or get rid of the cookie or say, hey, sister, you want some? And I'm right here. She has, she's holding the cookie. You got, if you're going to play the game, be smart. Don't get caught with a cookie. But how many of you know when we are open-faced before God, there is no hiding what we've done. When we are exposed to His presence, we naturally hide. We've got to be aware of that. Okay? Genesis 3, 8 through 9, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking through the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord. Uh, God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? Adam and Eve hid. So when we're exposed to the presence of the Lord, open-faced before Him, when exposure happens, we naturally hide. Number two, we, we internally fear. You know, there, there's a fear inside of us because, you know, we don't, we're going to really be exposed for who we are. I don't, want, I don't want people to see me for who I really am on the inside. I want to shave. I want to put on my best shirt. I want to put on my dressy shoes. And I want to look like I got it all together. But how many of you know, when there is exposure to the presence of God, He sees us for who we really are. And many of us don't like that. We don't like it. We're fearful. What is God going to do when He sees me for who I really am? You know, personally, we see ourselves in the light of who we used to be. What is that? When we see ourselves and we're stuck seeing ourselves as who we used to be, that is self-condemnation. We stay in a place of, I used to, uh, you know, not even I, I used to, but we actually identify ourselves in what we've done as who we are. That's a real reality. We are stuck based on the sins we've done in the past and say that is who we are today. Self-condemnation. Well, what else do we do? We remember our sins and we know our struggles, so we carry guilt. Maybe some of us here this morning, we're living in sin and we know that we have sin in our life and there, there is some actual guilt there because we know we're not living a life that God expects and demands of us. That caused some fear, right? You know, she's like, oh, cookie, well, I can't throw it fast enough. It's right here in my hand, right? But what we do, we can, get, we can carry guilt. But he exposes those things. This is how we respond. Oftentimes, we pretend to have it all together. You know, hey, I got it all together. You know what that is? That's a sin of pride and arrogance in your life. If I ask you, hey, how's it going? And you say, hey, it's going great, man. It's always awesome. God is good. I'm the head and not the tail. And there's never any issues. As a pastor, I'm smart enough to know. You might be lying to me. Because even as a pastor, it is not always good. It is not always rainbows and fairies. Life is hard. Life is difficult. And if I'm transparent with you and I'm real with you, it's not always easy. And it's not always good. But in our pride and arrogance, if we look good, we are good. When the reality is, it's almost completely falling apart. We have to realize that exposure to God is good. His presence reveals the wrong things in our life. You know, I think that's why a lot of people don't, I don't want the presence of the Lord in my life because it makes me feel dirty, he makes me feel guilty, he, he reveals all of these things to me. But we have to realize that Romans 3.23 if you think you've got it all together today, this is what Romans 3.23 says. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And this is the reality. Pastors, teachers, worship team people, it don't matter. None of us are exempt. Y'all hold on with me. Don't get discouraged and think I'm just beating you up. I want us first to know that in His presence, we are open-faced. We're exposed for who we really are. Because God already knows who you really are. 
Scripture just reinforced who you really are. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Pastor Noah, are you talking about me? Oh, yeah. Every single one of us. You know, Paul said he was the chief of sinners. Yeah, he did so many things for God. You can hide yourself from mankind, but you cannot hide yourself from God. The only way to be free, free from the fear of exposure is to quit hiding and run to the Father. Not running from what you did, but running and saying, God, look what I did. Man, I messed this up. I've fallen short again. You're not going to surprise God. You're not going to knock him off of his throne. But Oh, man, that one almost got me right there. But in our mind, what does the enemy of this world make us want to think? Oh, you better not go talk to Dad. We have, to have a mis- we have to have a new perspective of who God is. You know, I want to be a father to my children that when my kids are in a bind, the first thing they say, ooh, is I better call Dad, rather than, ooh, I better not call my dad. My dad's going to kill me. That's the response I want from my children, that they know whatever they're in, whatever they've done, they can come to me as a father that's going to love them and fix the situation. Rather than so fearful of my response that they say, man, we can't call Dad. He's going to kill us. We see God like that in our own lives. We either run and we hide and we feel like we cannot tell God about this because he can't handle it and he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, man. We really live that, guys. Go back to just a moment with me. Let's go down memory lane. Think about the most horrific, stupidest decision you ever made. What was your initial response? Now, let's keep it tangible first right what was your thought in regards to when your parents found out Ooh. some of you are like man I never told them and I got away with it so you think but how many of you know your heavenly father has seen everything you've done you never really got away with it you just have not yet to be exposed for what you did so the first thing that happens in the presence of God is he opens up that veil. We're open-faced. We naturally hide. We fear. Sometimes the third thing that happens, you know, in our exposure is we lack understanding. So let me give you a little bit of hope here. We have to realize that, you know, even on our worst days, do you realize we still reflect our Creator? Even on our worst days, as a son and daughter of the King, we still reflect the image of our Creator. Do you know that God always sees us in the light of who we really are? He sees beyond that sin. Do you realize that the blood of Jesus covers anything we've done or will do? So when we identify ourselves based on the sin, God looks at us in the light of his blood covering our lives. So he really sees us at the core of who we really are. Man, holding that cookie, you're like, whew, I thought you weren't going to see this cookie. No, you're still holding the cookie. He just knows that you are not the cookie. We see ourselves as the cookie. (laughs) The sin, the issue, whatever we've done. But he, does, he, he chooses not to even see that. God covers our sin and he helps in our struggles. Do you know that in, it's God's heart to fix the problem, not make it worse? You know, the moment you call your father into the situation, it will get better rather than get worse. There may be consequences for those choices, but he promises to work out all things according to our good. According to his riches and kindness for those who are in Jesus. We used to do things by ourselves and mess up pretty drastically with them. Now the hope is that we bring those things to 
Father God's throne of grace, and He helps us in our time of need. His response is, let me help you. God says today, don't cover up with the veil that Christ came to remove. Realize when Christ died, there was a veil that separated the the, the inner courts of His presence from us where we would have access to the Father. But many of us want to cover up again with that veil that separated us from the Father. Don't do that. Once the veil is removed, you are His, and you can begin to see clearly all that God has called you to be. If you lack wisdom and you don't know what to do, James 1.5 says, ask for wisdom, He'll give it to you. So we realize that in the presence of God, first and foremost, we'll be exposed. Secondly, we will be forever changed. We will be changed in His presence. We should expect a change. So exposure to Jesus' presence through the work of the Holy Spirit causes change in our lives. We know that if we can get you in church, just like you are, whatever you're going through, that the presence of the Lord can change everything. It ain't, my, it ain't my job. It's not that I'm convincing you. It's the presence of the Lord working in your life that changes everything. Okay? So when we look at this word change, this word change actually is, is the word metamorphosis. So in the Greek word, that's the Greek word for change. So the process of change, what it's talking about here, actually is when an insect goes from a, from a larva to a pupa to a mature insect. So this change comes, well, this is the cool part. In using this illustration, the change actually comes from the inside out, not the outside in. Many of, much of church people try to fix the outside so that the internal changes. That's not how God works. He changes the inside, and that changes the outside of who we become. He works from the inside out. This is just like this is what the Holy Spirit does. Pastor Noe, that's a good example. Let me go a little bit further. So when we look at this larva stage, this is the stage that begins soon as it's hatched. Just like soon as we are born into this world, guess what? We're born into sin. We can't change it. We can't fix it. It's who we are. But thank God he didn't stop there. But then there's this pupa stage, which is this passive stage. You don't do anything, but you just sit there. So I know this is a little hard to see, but you know the pupa stage is when you see it, you're inside. There's a change happening. But you just passively wait by and you just allow the change to happen. There's nothing that you can do. You're just in this moment of waiting. But in this moment of waiting, you allow something else to do the work. Just like Jesus' death on the cross. He did the work so that the change could be forever. So then what happens? This adult change. So this is the complete uh, metamorphosis. So this is a forever change. Do you realize you can't go back? Once this happens, this is the new life in Christ that the Bible talked about. Once the old life has died and the new one, you can't go back and say, well, I want to become that. That that butterfly cannot say, I want to go back to my larva stage. It's impossible. You, You can't go back. You have to realize that, you know, you can't go back. And secondly, why would you want to go back? Do you realize that you used to be a grounded slug and now you're a flying eagle? I say that again? You used to be a grounded slug, now you're a flying eagle. That's who Christ has made you in him. Why would you want to go back? You ever sat, sat there and looked up at birds flying and wished you could fly? Once you can fly, why the heck would you be like, you know what, this ain't that fun. Let me go back crawling in the mud. But some of us want to go back there because the enemy makes us think it was better. Oh, it was not better. 
but you cannot go back. I think that was part of it. You know, so if we look at Philippians 1, 6, it says, Being confident of this, that, he be, that him that began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day that Christ returns. So realize that God is doing a work in you, a complete work. Don't give up on the process. I don't know where you're at in that little picture. If you're still a slug, then you're a slug. Maybe you're in that process of where God's working that change out. And at that moment, just wait in his presence. But let me tell you what, if you have hatched and you have arrived to that new life, don't go back to the old life. It will never be satisfying. I was blind, but now I see. I was lame, but now I walk. I was mute, but now I speak. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was bound by sin and guilt, but now I'm set free. A true transformed, transformed change, changed life will never want to go back to its broken state. You have to realize that. It would be foolish. Number three, what happens when we're exposed to his presence? Number three, we will radiate glory. All right? So this is something that we will continually do. We will continually radiate his glory. So remember I started this message talking about being affected by, by that which we are exposed to. So when we're exposed to the presence of God, it forever changes us. You cannot experience the presence of God and remain the same. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that in this message. You cannot experience his presence and not be changed. It's impossible. So if we look at the story of Moses in Exodus 33, Moses, he, he actually experienced the presence of God and he radiated. He, well, he, well, let me not, he radiated and reflected the glory of God for a little bit in, in, in his life. So in, in Exodus 33, 17 through 23, it says, and, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked. And here was the criteria. He said, because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. So when the right condition is met, knowing and being known by God, he will reveal his presence to us. So we see that he, he, he shows his presence to us. So then Moses says, now show me your glory. Now, a lot of times, do we understand what in the world that means? Now, the, the glory of the Lord, songs that say, hey, show me your glory. I want to experience your glory. You know, we take that word really loosely, and I don't think we really understand what that means. But to experience the glory of the Lord is going to cause a change that if we're not careful of how we are exposed to it, and we'll look in this story, could potentially kill you. So in this, in this example, this, he is talking about the presence of the Lord. And in verse 19, it says, and, and the Lord said, I will cause all, listen, listen what he describes the presence of the Lord, the exposure to his, his presence. I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. He was talking about himself. So the presence of the Lord is what? All goodness. He will cause that to pass before us. Um, and then he says, but he says in verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, I will place you near a rock where I'm standing and, the, and, my glory, and when my glory passes by. So when we use the word glory, we're talking about physical presence. Just like I'm right here and you see, that's what he's talking about. The actual physical manifest presence of God. I'm not talking about an emotion. I'm not talking about a spiritual sense. I'm talking about the physical God just showed up in the room. Every time somebody in the Bible was exposed to the presence of the Lord, you know what they did? What was the response? What was it? 
They hid, but what did they do physically? They fell down face to the ground in reverent fear of who God was. You're like, oh, I'm just going to get up there, Lord. I'm going to praise you. No, he's going to knock you square to his face if his presence shows up in radiant glory. In, in the presence of God, no flesh will glory. Everything has to fall. We have to realize that. That's what it is. But he says, I will cause my glory to pass by. I will put you in. The, so he says, I'll put you in the cleft of a rock. I will cover you it with my hand until I pass by. Then I will remove my hand and you'll see my back, but my face you must not see. Why was he doing this? Why didn't God just show him? He was protecting Moses' life. Would have killed him. Right? So this is what he did. He says, you cannot see my face and live. So we, we realize that Moses was in the presence. He was present before the presence of God, his manifest presence. So when he experienced God in the rock, it says that actually after the fact, his face radiated from the glory of the Lord being exposed to it. So he actually wore a veil over his face for a little while so he wouldn't freak people out. Because he reflected the glory of the Lord by being exposed to his presence. Huh. So when we're around the presence of the God, it's going to change us to the core of our being. It will forever change us. So we have to realize that in our life, we are to not just necessarily reflect the glory of God in our lives, but we should radiate the glory of God in our lives. So what do you mean radiate? What's the difference between reflect and radiate? Reflecting is going to be something that just as it hits me, it bounces back. To radiate means I actually become it. Pastor Noah, we're talking about becoming the glory of God or, or continually radiating the glory of God. There is something different about reflecting and radiating. We have to realize that as there is an internal work, there is, a, there is an external process every single time when the when the glory of the lord the presence of the lord changes we will radiate that which we've been exposed to an environment full of the presence of the lord we will leave that place radiating the presence of the lord moses's face faded over time but we should continually radiate the glory of the lord so how do we continually radiate it it says in that initial passage, it says that you will reflect the same image from what? From glory to glory. That's not a one-time exposure, but we should expect to experience the presence of the Lord often. And when we experience the presence of the Lord often, guess what? If we are being affected and exposed by the presence of the Lord often, we should also radiate the presence of the Lord what? Often or almost all the time. We walk in a room and say, hey, man, what facial treatment are you using? I don't know what it looks like. It's, it's noticeable, right? I don't think it's just you put on your best lipstick and eye, eye makeup this morning. That's not, that's not what I'm talking about. There's something that people are aware of, that they sense, that they see. So when we say glory to glory, experience his presence in what can be thought of this moment to moment, again and again. Over and over, we should be experiencing His presence. I want to close with this passage from Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22, because I really think this communicates everything I've been talking about. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, that's talking about the believers. 
We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place. This is where the presence of God dwells because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Verse 21, and since we have such a great high priest who rules over God's house, I will really want you to pay attention to verse 22. Let us go right into his presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. So what does this mean? Who has access to the presence of the Lord? Just Pastor Noe? Who does it mean? Let us go right in. Let us come boldly. Let us come confidently into his presence, trusting him fully. Can you guys stand up with me? I'm closing. 